1: what up everybody welcome to another episode of the corner podcast kel dansby here with the old man the older man andreas hale back i would like to say in the building but back on the computer because i'm recording this while i'm in london and he is still with his amazing new baby boy dre great to have you back how is it being a father times two?
2: It sucks. Um, no, I, 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 I love my son, but Jesus Christ, he's the maddest kid ever. All he does is eat, sleep, and cry. So it's been, you know, let me think. We recorded the last show. What day was that? Was that, it was two weeks ago, two weeks ago, three weeks three. ago?
1: Three, because it was right before Mania, right?
2: Yeah, it was, it was right before Mania. So, matter of fact, we had the baby that night. Yeah, and uh
1: 29th, we
2: recorded. it was the yeah, so he was born on the thirtieth, yep, so God, my wife went into labor. I'm not gonna getting all the details of it, but the, the shit was scary. she had, she went into labor, delivered the baby in an hour and forty minutes, which is called a precipitous labor, no epidural, no IV um it was it was downright frightening, but have the baby bring the baby home, you know, we got a baby boy, you know, for those who didn't know. We waited to find out, um, but I saw the grapefruit on that kid. I was like, oh, I got a boy. This, this guy's got nuts. So <laughs> we've had the baby, um, and I forgot, like, I always thought about how bad my daughter was at sleeping. This fool took it to another level. He just doesn't sleep. And when he does sleep, he, you know, he's a kid. So, you know, babies, they wake up because they, they pee on themselves or whatever, or they got gas. Yeah, but he never sleeps. He never sleeps. So it's, man, it's been something else. So I got my, Kennedy, my daughter is just, you know, at first she was like, I'm going to help change the diapers. She saw that first shitty diaper. She was like, all right, dad, I'm out. I ain't doing that shit.
1: She's was, over this.
2: <laughs> nope, she's over it. She's over it. But she sleeps through, his crying at night. She, she doesn't care. She's at school right now. I'm at home. I, he He's crying right now and it's loud. And this microphone is great because it's not picking it up because all he does is cry. He's the angriest baby ever he's just mad mad max His name is maxwell and mad max he's pissy
1: he's like the mad rapper of babies
2: (laughs) oh my god he is so angry and all he does is make (laughs) angry faces too like all his faces are disapproving and angry it's uh it's been something else man I, i had to watch wrestlemania i watched wrestlemania i had to run up and down and change diapers the entire time and like so many things i've I mean, we'll recap all this stuff, but it's been, it's different, man. Like I didn't watch, uh, uh, Spence Ugas live. Cause there was just no way that I needed to sleep and I just slept through it. Now watch it the next morning. But, uh, for those of you who have two kids, man, one was, I should have just stuck with one. I'm lying. I'm happy. I have two, but Jesus, this is hard
1: to those of us who have three.
2: I don't know what's wrong with y'all.
1: <laughs> Uh, I had three by 21, Dre. Three by the age of 21.
2: Yeah, you are a lunatic, sir. To, you back are
1: back to back.
2: Yeah, um, there ain't no way. Nah, ain't boys, no way.
1: Boys are a different world, though. That's why if I would have had like girl, boy, girl, I would have never got to a girl. The fact that I had two girls and then a boy is what kept me sane. Because little girls, for the most part, are like easy. <laughs> girls get difficult when they're like teenagers, which I'm going through now. But now I have, what, three teenage girls, 19, about to be 17, and about to be 15. So my teenage years, they've come home to roost. But when they were younger, easy as cake. My son, a little madman. He, he's still wild, kind of. He's now calming down and just playing video games, and he's like the easiest of the bunch. But when he, kids are young, boys, you went for like five years of craziness. It's like raising the ultimate warrior for the next five years of your life.
2: (sighs) I'm not looking forward to it. I mean,
1: (laughs) and you've seen that my son, when you first met my son would run everywhere. Yeah. Just be in public. This motherfucker just running (laughs) like, like warrior to the ring. Incredible. They have so much energy. Little boys are wild. They pee anywhere and everywhere.
2: Oh, man, I've been pissed on so many times already. I'm like, what's <laughs> wrong with this guy? I was like, every time the diaper comes off, it's like a water fountain. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Why do you piss everywhere? Well, I don't die- know, man.
1: <laughs> the boys boys are just crazy. I never, with neither of my daughters, did I open up a pamper and they piss.
2: The oh, my like, daughter did that. No, my daughter did that. But Oh, no. like My son? Oh, God. Everywhere. He just just yeah. like
1: waiting for me and tormenting me. So, uh, yeah, now boys are are just a whole different, whole different beast entirely. Um, so I'm glad you're back. Glad you're enjoying dad life. Number two, I am glad that, um, you know, the wife is, is good after that situation and she's like a, a superhero. You're, you're the side. She kid. really is. So, <laughs> um, I'm not surprised that she's, she's doing well and she's going to kick ass and, Probably be back in the lawyer's office in like three weeks, because she's also no.
2: crazy. No, she ain't that crazy. She's taking no. all she's taking yeah. all this paternity time off. I, she's probably she's got six months off, and she's gonna use every last bit of it.
1: Oh, damn, that's great. Yeah, please. She,
2: yeah, like, yeah, kids. Be, I
1: mean, she'll be doing something. She's crazy. No, nah, my my wife, kids
2: come before anything. It's like family comes before anything with my wife. She has zero interest going back to the office anytime soon. So, so she'll yeah, be yeah. she'll be a stay at home mom for as long as she can. Cause she's scared of the world for her, for her kids. So she doesn't want, you know, she wants to be there. So yeah, I'm back at work. I still have some more time off that I'll use later in the year, but for now I'm back she's to stay at home and we're raising two psychopaths. It's exciting.
1: <laughs> You're raising a mini you and a mini her. It's perfect. That's the best thing as parents. When you realize like, yo, my kids act just like me. And I'm fucking crazy. So, this is gonna be an experience. It's um, yeah. the greatest realization. So, I'm so glad. It is good to have you back. Shout out to producer Cole Bebe, who, of course, will be back on the show probably starting Sunday or uh, Sunday or Monday when we get back. And then my travel slows down till July. So, we're in this Blue wire studios every week for like the next two months. It is great to be back there. It's gonna be so fun. Uh, Producer Cole is somewhere, I'm sure, taking his victory lap today because it's stupid. Boston Celtics are up 2-0. Yeah, I heard you made a bet while I was gone. I made a bet. I felt very comfortable with this bet. I was like, yo, I'm winning this bet. So it is a instead of a hair versus mask match, it is a beard versus DC's match. And I bet on KD. I bet on Kyrie going back and embarrassing Boston. They've had... A fourth quarter lead in both games and couldn't close, in which I'm not going to lie to you, two things Cole told me are coming to fruition, and I hate him for it. One, Brooklyn has no defense, and he was like, Kel, you don't watch enough basketball. Their defense is atrocious, and the Celtics it have is. top three defense. So when it's time to crunch down, the Celtics' top three defense at the end of every one of these fucking games comes through every single game and just pisses me off. And then the next one is, and he said it with his chest: Jason Tatum's the best player on that court.
2: He is right now. He is.
1: <laughs> I was like, "Ain't this some shit?" He really. I mean, is. in the first listen, two games, he is.
2: If you, when you made this bet, listen, you, it's hard to bet against Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, but the problem is they only play like fourteen games in the regular season, and. I told you when they traded for Ben Simmons, it's a great deal when Ben is on the court because Ben plays defense. He will play, he will lock up their best player. So they would put Ben Simmons on Kevin Durant. And, I mean, not, not, not Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum. And then, you know, Durant could play Jalen Brown or whatever. But this team, as it stands, they play no defense. And Tatum and Brown is the most underrated duo in the NBA. But the X factor is Marcus Smart. They have no answer. For Marcus Smart on defense, he, he he locks people up. They've had Kevin Durant in trouble this entire series. You're losing this bet. They're saying Ben Simmons is going to come back, but his condition—I can't imagine his condition is going to be where it needs to be. And he's got to gel with that team.
1: They now got this is a bad bet. Five. It's 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 tough now. At the first game, yeah, and you don't have home court advantage. They didn't mm. have to steal the first game. We're fine. And then now being down two, I was like, fuck. They probably should have stole the first game. Like it's, it's looking yeah. higher now. So now it's must win going back to Brooklyn. So we'll, we'll see.
2: But, but the, no. the important, the important part is what the bet is for. You have to retire the DCs. Look, I didn't care who won the series initially. Cause I'm just like, whatever. I, it, I just want to watch bass, but I'm actively rooting for the Celtics because once you have to retire those DCs, I don't know what you're going to do. What are you going to wear under armors?
1: <laughs> i got i got some ideas of mine because now i've been thinking um, sketchers
2: are you gonna be a Skechers <laughs> yesterday,
1: guy? yesterday um not like i am a man of my word i'm sticking by my bet. i am thoroughly upset that the listeners of this podcast yeah all of y'all um are championing the celtics and rooting for them like on my timeline in adding me not one of y'all are Celtics fans. This really just lets me know how much people dislike the DCs.
2: Yes, they're horrible.
1: They're this not is a, this, that bad. like they, they are. Off. I rocked them for a smooth four months before telling anyone, and no one noticed. I mentioned it, and now everyone hates. Them. So, I don't know. People are giving cold ideas of what to do with the DCs after after I got to give them up. It's all bad. I'm gonna put them in the rafters somewhere. My idea was to take, if I have to retire to DCs, I have black ones and white ones, I'm going to clean off my white ones and I'm going to sign it and put it in the trophy case that we have at Blue Wire Studios with all the other white like belts and boxing gloves and, and everything, the basketball and the helmet that everyone signs, I'm going to put my DC in there, sign
2: that means you sell you the trophy case. You cannot do that.
1: <laughs> that is going to be the best signature in that trophy case. And then with the black ones, I don't know, man. Retiring the black one's gonna hurt. But we're 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 going to see. I have faith still in Brooklyn until I can't have faith no more. It could be an epic comeback and collapse by the Celtics. That is what I am rooting for. KD to make a legacy statement.
2: Yeah, he doesn't do that
1: first round.
2: KD doesn't do. Had. Kd and Ky- the funny th- the funniest thing about Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant is arguably the best offensive player we have ever seen in terms of tools, height, range, handle everything. I question his heart. Always have, always will. He had when he won the championship was with Golden State. He didn't need to have heart. He just needed to play. He, he like it's different. Kyrie has heart. But he's a little nutty. He forgets that, yeah, I made the game a shot in Cleveland, but you had a guy named LeBron James on the team who was better than you, and you know it, like MJF. You put these two together, and if, if one of them's got to take the lead. And, I, and if Durant's not doing it, I don't know how this team wins. I think Kevin Durant's an excellent basketball player. But he's moody. He, he doesn't take charge when he has to. Like, it doesn't seem like he gets mad enough. It doesn't seem like he's hungry enough anymore because he's already won a championship and the MVP. Like he has to dig himself out of a hole, and I don't know if that man's built for it. I don't think he's got the hunger, the tools, but the hunger ain't there.
1: I'm, I'm riding on that he is, so that it's. Listen, man, I don't, I don't know. I'm preparing for the worst, or hoping for the best in terms of the bet. On top of that, producer call Bebe will just be unbearable if it Celtics win.
2: Yeah, he bet with his heart, but it was a smart bet. I, I watched Tatum and Brown play all year long, and I'm like, dude, these are this is the most underrated duo in the NBA.
1: Great, they stats.
2: obliterate teams when they're on he, fire. He
1: brought like last 32 games, they're 25 and seven with this points per game. Like he had stats, like yeah
2: they, dude, The team is a problem. They have a fantastic head coach. Then you got guys like Al Horford that's still getting things done. Like. Oh my God.
1: Out Horford, you guy. you made a bad yeah. bet. Who's, who else does the Nets have? I mean, the I Nets, the Nets have, have what? Shooters on the bench. No one defensively. That's where I went wrong. Not like no, they don't even have defensive people on the bench.
2: No, I mean, you got Claxton and Andre Drummond, and Drummond has never been like a great defensive player. He's a great rebounder, but you look at the way that team is constructed, like they need a healthy Ben Simmons. They, they don't, don't have them.
1: No, nah, so. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. Hopefully Ben Simmons could come back and I don't know, put up six points, but do some on defense. Uh, in the meantime, I'm out here in London for Fury versus Dillian White. It is actually better than I thought. It's sunny every day. There's no rain. It's like 65 degrees. I guess this is an anomaly for London. So I'm enjoying the beautiful weather. Walking around, still not used to the time change. We're recording this, and it's like, 5 p.m. my time out here and it's like nine p 9 a.m. your time. So yeah. it's it's weird catching up with the time difference and everything and, and just being locked in for fight week activities, but pushing pushing through it, having some fun. It is cool. I haven't gone and seen the sites yet and doing that tomorrow. But I've had some food, like it was decently well seasoned. Yesterday I went and got like fusion, um, Indian food, which is pretty bomb. And they're like, would you like chips with that? And I was like, yeah, I'm looking around. I was like, yeah, sure. Like, but there was no chips to pick. I was like, oh, they're just going to give me random chips. And then I completely forgot chips or french fries. Yeah, so yeah. I was I was pleasantly surprised when I got a box of french fries. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, okay. Um, I'm not sure if they know what salt is out here. But maybe that keeps them healthy as a country. So, So that's cool. I got to try Nando's. By your recommendation. And yes,
2: I ate Nando's the entire time in London.
1: Yeah. Perry Perry sauce.
2: I oh, guess. yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: There's one like right down the block from my hotel here next to Wembley. So I'm on it. That's where I'm going today. Make sure I eat that. Try that out. And uh yeah, man, it's it's cool. It doesn't feel like to the traditional fight week yet, though. I mean, we have weigh-ins tomorrow. Um, I didn't get to go to a presser, but that was even held in like a smaller room. I guess open workouts was more of a crowd. But tomorrow, with the with the weigh-ins, it's right in front of the stadium, huge area. Expect a ton of fans, and then I'll start getting the vibes of ninety four thousand people. Because I I still can't even fathom what's that like.
2: Buddy, you were ain't there for Joshua, right? Like, yes, Joshua Babekin. That was 84,000, I believe. And And it, and it rained. Yeah. And fight week. I mean, cause I went to Wembley early in the week. I did a one-on-one with AJ at the stadium. Um, and when you see the inside of the stadium, it's like, Oh my God, like people are going to come watch a fight here. And you AJ is like a rock, you know, he's a rock star over there. Yeah. So he pulls up and girls are crying and shit. And I'm like, this is nuts. So you, you haven't seen it in full swing yet yeah ain't nothing like it. it is one of the greatest experiences i ever had going to london to see a fight that that shit was incredible you'll enjoy it
1: yeah it's gonna be fun i leave sunday going right back into another fight week um in vegas so i, I don't know when i'm gonna sleep also actively moving this week so it's just a ton of shit just happening all at once it's it's going to literally be insane Don't know how I'm going to pull it all off, but I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. It's uh, always exciting for me when it comes down to work and and covering all these fights. I mean, this Shakur Stevenson, not to mention, you know, the biggest women's fight ever in Serrano versus Taylor that same week, and then Canelo right after that is just a crazy, crazy marathon of fights. And we'll get into some of those. Mayweather announced the fight in between that. Um, alongside, you know, during the day. And then we have the Charlo unification at night. I can't remember a stretch like this that we've had between from th- last week where we we'll go over with Spence all the way through the middle of June. It's arguably the best two months of boxing I- I've had in my career of covering boxing.
2: Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, we've had some wild weeks before, but this is this is up there. This is up there in terms of just the last months so and me sitting at home you know with a newborn and not being a part of all this i'm kind of okay with it because i was like man it's just non-stop well, it is non-stop and the then not to the mention it's like thing. yeah of course yeah i am i mean i'm back in the thick of it so it was, yeah you said stevenson valdez obviously serrano taylor Canelo. We got a couple of weeks off. Then we have AEW double and nothing in Vegas. And then, I mean, in Arizona is UFC 274, which is the same weekend as Canelo. Again, Canelo and UFC like go together. <laughs> then it kind of slows down for a second. And then it's, you know, it seems like in July it's Anthony Joshua and Alexander Usyk, And I'm definitely going to be there for that. So it's, it's uh, we get a nice little reprieve, but boy, this is about to be a nutty ass right. next few weeks.
1: And we're going to have International Fight Week in Vegas. In the beginning yeah, of the time, which appears to be um it could Dana White said he's trying to make Steve A versus John Jones, which then makes that just the fight to be at.
2: Very strange that not even strange. I mean, I'm talking we'll talk about when we get to the MMA show, that it's like John Jones is all this shit. Doesn't matter. <laughs> he's still gonna get an interim title fight. Doesn't matter. Man was headbutting police cars on video. So what
1: getting away with it? We just saw another case of like police brutality. I saw like a three-year-old get hemmed. Oh no, it wasn't three. Maybe the kid was like 10. The kid was 10, got hemmed up for stealing a dollar bag of potato chips. I saw that shit on Twitter yesterday. I was like, what is going on? Yeah,
2: man? no, it's uh right Yeah, I mean, we're not gonna we're not gonna dig too deep in all this, the social issues, but like the video of the, uh, the man getting shot in the back of the head by the cop with the knee on his back. We're so desensitized to it. It's like, everybody just kind of shrugs their shoulders and keeps it moving. It's not like when we had the pandemic where you were forced to watch these things happen. Now it's just everybody's on the move and it's like, oh, well, no, somebody else is dead. Oh, they arrested this kid. We'll move on with our lives. It's weird. It sucks. But it's America.
1: It's where we're at. I'll yeah. tell you who wasn't arrested. Mike Tyson. That's the other thing I see. it. Mike Tyson. So the best setup for this is yesterday, shout out to Corey from Reverse Rat Pack. Um, Corey dropped on Twitter, and he was just like, yo, Mike Tyson, name someone having a more chill 420 than Mike Tyson. And it was Tyson, like, smoking the biggest blunt ever. Uh, If you guys want to check it out, Corey Erdman on Twitter. And smoking the craziest blunt. Like, that shit's, like, a good 16-inch blunt. And then I check Corey's Twitter later, and he's like, I take it back. And it's just a photo of Mike Tyson beating the shit out of some guy on a plane. So it turns out Mike Tyson took a selfie with a, what looks to be an obnoxious kid and his friend. And then the friend keeps badgering Tyson on the back of his seat leaning over the 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 kid who originally got the selfie is like filming his friend like ha ha ha." and the guy's like joking over on mike tyson like shit is cute and tyson turns around chokes him for a second and then just feeds him punches and then there's just a still shot of the guy sad as hell bloody on the side of the face and that's what mike probably pulling his punches but just to show the kid like are you fucking crazy do you know i'm from brooklyn I I love, listen, one, you can't go punching random people, but I wish you could. But this is the best case of play dumb games, win dumb prizes. Because this kid, and like many kids of this generation, know nothing of being punched in your face due to your actions. Mike is old school. Your actions will get you punched in the face. That is the repercussion. This kid found out. So let it, let it be a lesson to all the next generation and the generation after them. Back in the day, you do stupid shit, you get yeah. punched in the face.
2: Well, here's, here's the other takeaway. The other takeaway is social media and real life aren't the same thing. You can badger somebody on social media. But in real life, Mike Tyson is a real man that a lot of people forgot is a real crazy motherfucker. And even, even in his old age, you don't go mess with Mike Tyson. The kids do it for the gram. They do it for social media and they forget Mike Tyson will fuck you up. And he found out the hard way. And the crazy thing is he found out the hard way, but he still treated it like a social media moment by frowning at the camera. Right. Like he still wanted to get his 15 seconds of fame, whatever he thinks he's going to get out of this.
1: Yeah. And people forget these
2: people are real. Mike Tyson's real. You're lucky. He's not real. Mike Tyson from 1994. You're lucky he's not that version of Mike Tyson. But y'all, y'all, y'all can't keep poking the bear. You can poke a bear on social media because the social media bear will just block you or say, when I see you, what's going to be a problem? But you can't poke bears like that in real life. So hopefully nothing happens to Mike, even though I'm sure something will. You know, It, it depends on the dude press presses charges. He probably won't. Yeah, he probably won't. He, he, he'll have to be talked into it. He's probably one of those guys who have to be talked into it. But – Mike will probably send him blonde or something And he'll be like cool and be done with it But man leave people alone What is wrong with y'all It's Mike Tyson leave the fuck alone I've seen Mike Tyson plenty of times I have no interest just bothering Mike Tyson Zero
1: We just saw Mike at a a fight not too long ago
2: Yeah I don't bother Mike
1: Yeah like and People were kind of like around Mike But he's cool with that as long as you're not annoying Like he'll dap you up He'll take the picture Plenty of people did that. They told him a little story like, Oh my God, I was here when you knocked this person out. He was very cool. Cool. Shake their hand, keep it moving. And this guy just didn't keep it moving. Again, these young kids, they think it's sweet. They think it's cool. It's like, this is Mike Tyson, the baddest man on the planet. Still you will get mollywhopped by Mike Tyson. So yeah, it's, It's weird shit. The videos out there on TMZ, that shit is hilarious to me um, when I was watching it. So that was my morning laughing at that. The other thing to touch on real quick, because Dre, you missed this. um, MTK Global and boxing folded this past week. Closed up shop because Kinahan, the guy behind the promotion, he started it, but then stepped back slowly, surely, but still represented a ton of fighters as an advisor kind of like we have Al Heyman. He was that for the UK, pretty much. And uh, Daniel Kinahan was named by the US government amongst, I think, like the Irish government as a most wanted person for his role in organized crime in the Kinahan crime family, which again, his name is Daniel Kinahan. Is he not involved with the Kinahan crime family? But he was a backer of a lot of these things Um, allegedly maybe of another promotion. We'll see how that plays out. Everyone is distancing themselves from him, though. And it's weird. Tyson Fury had to answer for it because he was an advisor for Fury. And Tyson didn't really say anything bad about him. But he was just like, you know, this is my fight week now. The guy cut me a check, and that was it. We did business. I don't know anything about his personal life. I feel like that's all he can say, to be honest.
2: You'd be a fool to say anything else. <laughs> You'd be a dummy
1: to come out and say, yeah, me and can't we kick it. We're friends. We're chilling. But nah. I mean, people did kick it with them. They did. Bob, Bob Arum threw him under the bus fairly. But people kept running a picture of him and Bob arm in arm like six months ago. Yes. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough because, again, the rumblings were out there. It's kind of one of those things like, you know, but you don't know, no. So it gives you an out. And that's what we see. Everyone taking the out.
2: Boxing is weird, man. Boxing is such... Boxing and MMA are two carny businesses with carny individuals. We just talked about John Jones the shit that he did. Like, John Jones, if he played in the NFL, he could not pull that shit. If he played in the NBA, he couldn't pull that shit. But he did. Daniel Kinnahan couldn't exist in the NFL. But he can exist... he can resist in Mark combat Kubin sports.
1: Doing that. Imagine Mark Cuban doing the shit Daniel Kinnahan.
2: <laughs> right. And the thing, the, the weird thing about it is MMA, especially boxing to a degree, most of these journals kind of just sweep it under the rug. They don't talk about it publicly. So like the Daniel Kinnahan thing is something that a lot of us have known about for years. And it's just like, well, is something going to happen because I've mentioned it before. I've heard tons of things about Bob Aaron owing MTK money over the years, and that, that's the reason why that, uh, that, they, that they have this partnership. I've heard so many different things. The next thing we have is Oscar De La Hoya with an, yet another sexual assault situation. Oscar De La Hoya runs Golden Boy Promotions, owns the Bible of Boxing, and routinely finds himself in deep and dirty and ugly water.
1: But whether it's drugs, alcohol, I mean the man was yeah. drunk publicly during an event.
2: Dude, listen, we when I was at the zone, we worked with Oscar. And without going into too much detail, it's like everything you heard is pretty much true. The motherfucker's crazy, right? <laughs> and it's just like he disappeared. like he showed up on calls, just say some wild shit and then leave. But the thing is, is like Oscar still runs Gold Boy Promotions. He still owns Ring Magazine. Nothing's going to really happen. It's being underreported. Now, granted, if this was Floyd Mayweather doing this shit, it would be overreported. <laughs> like, it would they would, would be all over it. But even in, in the sense of Floyd Mayweather, he was still able to fight regardless of what he did. Boxing is just—it's weird, man. It's very weird. Like, a lot of carny shit you can get away with. In no other sport you can do this, but boxing and MMA? Cool. You can just do some grimy shit and live to talk about it. It's nuts.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's funny that both fan bases and kind of both businesses to a degree, you know, outside of Tyson Fury and occasionally letting someone go and appear, Ronda Rousey, they both really look down on professional wrestling. It's like, oh, no, that's fake. It's blah, blah. No, we're so much better than that. (laughs) And it's like, y'all are the same. This whole shit is the same. It's, It's so weird. Like, this is all carny business. This is. This shit wasn't created and molded and built by upstanding citizens. None of this was. Like, Kinahan being the head of a Kinahan crime family, like, if this shit was 1930, people were like, okay, big deal. Everyone is promoted by a mobster, like, back then, right? Like, it's in the fabric of these sports. It's becoming less, but I still can't be shocked. It's in the fabric of these sports. That's how you buy your way in, is through money, regardless of how you get said money. And these are some yeah. of the few sports where you can still do that.
2: <sighs> it's, yeah, it's, I mean, you have the Jay Prince stories, you have MTK, you have the UFC, you have just MMA. Prince,
1: and... sir. I don't mention Jay Prince, I don't know. What you but nobody do. does. And they, I gotta, You know, got to see him in Vegas next week at Shakur, I don't mention Jay Prince.
2: Absolutely. But I'm just saying all the all these people have these CD these stories attached to them. Whether they're true or not, we don't know. So a lot of them we do know are true.
1: Yeah. But they they mystique. just exist. Yeah, the mystique is definitely there for a lot of a lot of these people. I mean, it's funny, Bob was a lawyer, right? But like you look at Bob and like people dug into Bob's cases and who he represented and everything, like he was an odd lawyer. Back in the day, like you know, it's not like he was just your average Joe fight for the good guy lawyer. Like every everyone is a little bit weird when they get into this business. We're a little bit weird for covering it.
2: Yeah, we are.
1: Like it's it's not it's not the place for like normal traditional folk. So I'm not surprised we found our way into these. Even though when we're in it, we're like, yo, this is a shit show. But everyone's it a shit is. show in this from top to bottom. Everyone's a shit show. So we're, all just, we're, we're along for the wave. Um, man, we have so much boxing to talk about. So let's take our first break. We got to come back. We'll talk about this fight Fury versus White. I want to hear your prediction. Me and producer Cole Bebe gave our predictions earlier in the week. I'll reiterate mine. But then we got to catch up on all the shit you missed. Spence Ugas, Ryan Garcia, um, Triple G, the Mayweather announcement. Tons of fights have been announced, actually, since we've been gone. So we'll run through some of that when we come back from the break. Get your idea on all the boxing. And instead of throwing in MMA this week, because it's a little quiet for MMA, I figured, you know what, Dre? We'll give the people a nice little treat for sticking around through the next boxing segment. We're going to wrap up talking hip-hop. And it's mainly because your boy's dropping out. Yes. I really got to figure it out. How are you feeling about this? Are you excited? What's the future for your guys? So we'll talk about Kendrick to wrap up the show later on. So you guys don't want to go anywhere. It's going to be fun. Stay right there. What up, everybody? We're back. Time to talk boxing. And remember, stick around. We got hip-hop to talk about in the last segment, kind of sandwiching in the boxing for you guys today. But, Dre, I mentioned I'm here in London, Fury versus White. The foregone conclusion is that Tyson Fury is going to defend his title, stand strong in front of the hometown crowd. But, as I just saw um, Derek Chisora predict, he believes Dillian White's going to knock out Tyson Fury. Tyson's been talking about retirement, one foot out of the door. Maybe this is the perfect storm. He's been knocked down in three or two of his past three fights. Happens to be that he was fighting the biggest puncher in the heavyweight division, Deontay Wilder. But he was knocked down. He thinks this time Dillian White can catch him. And it's a perfect storm for him to lose. (sighs) You know why
2: Derek Chisora is saying this? Because Dillian White sent him to hell. It's very, like, if you get knocked out by somebody, chances are you're going to pick that person to beat somebody else that you haven't fought because it makes you look better. So that's the only reason why I see Derek Sore saying this dumb shit. Look, I like Dillian White. I think Dillian White, he's got excellent power, but he's not great defensively. He got knocked to hell by Alexander Pavekin. Yes, he came back and won, won that fight, but Povek is not even close to the level of a Tyson Fury. And... He, I mean, I haven't seen him this week. I mean, I've seen video, but he hasn't been in the greatest shape in his last couple of fights. He looks solid in his second fight with Pavekin. Mm-hmm. But you're fighting somebody named Tyson Fury who is a generational talent, and you can say all you want about him getting knocked down by Deontay Wilder. Guess what? He got the fuck up. That's the difference between Tyson Fury and a lot of other people. He gets up. He got up against Deontay Wilder. Like people like, well, Dillian White is power. Yeah, like Dillian White is power, not Deontay Wilder power. And Dillian White's not as big as Deontay Wilder. He's not as tall. He's not as rangy. There's just, I don't see a clear path to victory unless Tyson Fury is just like, fuck it. I don't feel like fighting today. (laughs) That's it. I have no other way to see Dillian White beating Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury is the best heavyweight on the planet. And uh, you have to have a a unique mixture of height, reach, power, and boxing ability to beat him. Deontay Wilder had all those things, but the boxing ability. Dillian White has none of those things. He
1: has power, but he's he's not a boxer. He mixes up to the body, hence the body snatcher comment.
2: Yeah, but here's the other thing: Watch Dillian White fight. He barely got out of the fight with Joseph Parker. He gets hurt a lot. Dillian White gets buzzed a lot. Now, Tyson Fury is not the biggest puncher in the heavyweight division, but he's, like, the biggest heavyweight. And if he gets you in trouble, he's not going to let you off the hook. So I don't care. Like, Tyson Fury is not, you know, the biggest puncher in the heavyweight division. I don't care about any of that. But watch Dillian White and how many times he gets hurt in a fight. He got hurt against Chasaur. He got hurt, obviously, got knocked to hell by Anthony Joshua. When he gets hurt, he doesn't recover well. Tyson Fury is going to hurt him. Tyson Fury is going to lean on him. This is... It's not going to be pretty. Billy White he has about mm, four rounds to get the job done. He if he doesn't make Tyson Fury respect his power, or he doesn't show him something that Tyson Fury is not expecting, he's just going to get dominated because Tyson Fury is a runaway train down the stretch.
1: Yeah, I sure it'll be fun see if, if Fury sticks with this. I'm fighting Southpaw thing.
2: I don't listen to anything Tyson says, including this retirement. I listen to nothing.
1: Yeah, Tyson it Fury be, makes. It him, might be easier to avoid that big ass right hand, but who knows.
2: I mean, what I believe is that Tyson Fury is going to make adjustments as he sees fit because he's that kind of fighter. He'll see, he may come out southpaw, but if, for a minute, if he sees anything that changes, he's going to change stances. I don't listen to Tyson Fury when it comes to pre-fight. I, there's nothing that he says moves me. He's 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 a fantastic fighter, but he everything he talks about, it should be taken with a grain of salt. He's so, going to beat Dillian White. He's just a better fighter.
1: So you have him winning? Do you think? then he fights the winner of Usyk Joshua.
2: Yes. I think this retirement shit is nothing but posturing. Okay. Nothing but posturing. I don't. If you have a chance to be undisputed, the undisputed heavyweight champion and make a boatload of money while, while you're at it, why wouldn't you? I, th- there's no reason for me to believe that Tyson Fury is going to say, oh, yeah, uh, I could fight for the undisputed title, but I just don't feel like it. It doesn't make any
1: sense. Uh, yeah, unless like his mental health time. is just. It seems dude, like the last feather in the cap.
2: Unless his mental health is really teetering off the edge, mm-hmm. I see all this as posturing. And even if you do retire, it's like that Floyd Mayweather retirement when yeah. he fought Ricky Hatton and he came back and fought Marquez. And he was just like, I just need a break. And when I come back, it becomes this big announcement and it gives me more money and it lures more people to me. That's it. It's all posturing. But I, I don't believe none of that shit he's talking about. None of it.
1: Yeah, I'm on the same thing. I don't don't believe any of that either. Um, Let's catch up on some of the stuff that you missed. Spence versus Ugas happened last week. You said you watched it the day after. What were your thoughts on that fight and how Errol Spence looked? I mean, for a second, it looked like he got rocked. He went down to pick up a mouthpiece at probably the worst time in a fight. And Ugas had him on the ropes but didn't capitalize. And then next thing you know, three rounds later, it's over.
2: Uh, first things first, it should have been a knockdown. The ropes held Errol up. Errol had oh, a brain fart. Clearly, clearly. Yeah. yeah. Errol had a brain fart. That's what got him caught. But what I saw out of Errol Spence, that diligence and that persistent body work, motherfucker's a problem. Like, Ugas beat Manny Pacquiao pretty handily because he's a Cuban southpaw who's very tough to deal with. They, they just are. They're all difficult to deal with. And Manny couldn't figure him out. Errol figured him out immediately, and we just went to the body, just drilled him. Like I think he, what was it, almost triple the amount of punches?
1: Yeah. Well, a lot of those was rounds eight, nine. Oh yeah. Eight. Well, it was they, a down- they were damn near even, and then Errol pummeled him in the last yeah. round. It,
2: just like when I said Tyson Fury is like a runaway train so was Errol Spence when he wants to be Errol Spence knew what he was doing coming to that fight he knew he was coming to this fight that he needed to go to the body, stop Ugas from moving and then work his way up and that's exactly what he did and he was persistent and those were bombs that he was hitting Ugas to the body with and then he broke another orbital bone another orbital bone this man has hey, two, Impressive. he has two skulls on his resume two two of really good fighters Ugas is a really good fighter Kel Brook was a really good fighter, broke both of their orbital bones. Anybody who says that Errol Spence is not a top five pound for pound fighter is an idiot. Errol Spence is, yeah, I think, look, we'll get into it. The Terrence Crawford fight, I love the fight. It is a true 50-50 fight. But if that Errol Spence comes out, he beats Terrence Crawford. He's, He's just too much. He's too big. He's too strong. Terrence has dog in him, and I love the dog
1: in Terrence, Terrence Crawford. Is stronger than Errol. like I don't know about that. Physically, like, again, Errol's bigger physically. Like, if you look at him. But if you're talking strength, you want to put them on, like, a deadlift, a squat, a, a bench, like, any type of real strength. Like, Terrence Crawford it's stronger. Terrence Crawford is freakishly, like, backcountry strong. Like, he's stronger than he ever should be. I just saw him deadlift 450 in jeans, like he went up to the that, bar, like, "Oh, this it? Whoop, bomb! Put it down!" Like, damn, like that wrestling in him, like he's freak strong for that size. He's as strong as like someone who's 190 pounds.
2: Yeah, that doesn't necessarily translate into the type of power you need to beat somebody like Errol Spence.
1: You don't think Errol Spence
2: is he to break no. up
1: with people with that power? He, no.
2: Look, look, Terrence Crawford, he's powerful. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not taking away that. I don't I don't care about deadlift strength. The motherfucker could punch, and he's yeah. mean. Those are the things that I love about Terrence Crawford. Errol Spence is big, strong, can take a punch. But what he does that's a little bit different is, like, Terrence is mean, and, and down the stretch, he makes his adjustments, and then once he gets you hurt, he's going to finish you, like he did with Sean Porter. Like, he's done with plenty of fighters. But you can't tell me that, that Terrence Crawford has fought the same caliber of fighters as Errol Spence has. No. That, that therein lies the difference. Like Errol Spence dominated Danny Garcia. Dan, people forget about that fight, like it never happened. Errol Spence just bulldozed Ugas after a 14-month layoff. Didn't take a warm-up fight, because there ain't none for him. All he wants is the best fights around. I think, like, I think it's a hell of a fight. I, it could go either way. But that Errol Spence that's coming downhill at you, it, it, he bludgeons you to death. Breaking two orbital bones, that's, that's nothing to sneeze at. It, he clubs people. He beats them down. You look at what he's done. Because if he has to, and he just wants to box you to death, ask Mikey Garcia how that shit worked out. Yeah. Mikey couldn't even get close to Errol. Piston-like jab. There's so many things that Errol does. And Terrence Crawford, he has the edge. And he's the meanest fighter I've ever seen in my life. He's Marvin Hagler was mean. Like we've seen some mean motherfuckers in the ring. Terrence Crawford is up there in terms of just, I'm mean, like I'm just, I I want to hurt you. I take pride hurting you. I want to kill you. If I get you hurt, I'm going to eat my food. If Vasily Lomachenko had what Terrence Crawford has, he'd still, he'd be undefeated. Like I always say, Vasily Lomachenko plays with his food, but this fight going to the body Is something I wonder how Terrence Crawford deals with. Because that was a persistent and brutal body assault. And it just let Lucas drop his hands. And then down the stretch, it was just like, he was just teeing off on him. I I don't know, man. It's, It's a tough fight. But Errol Spence is, we said it for a long time. Errol Spence was beating people up in Mayweather's gym, like right around when he turned pro and came back from the Olympics. And I would get phone calls, come to the gym. Errol Spence is beating people the fuck up people Adrian Broner gave Floyd a shiner. Like the first time I heard about how, how much Errol Spence was a dog was I was with former Falcons and Rams running back, Steven Jackson. We were shooting this documentary in Atlanta and we were just talking and he's like, you've been by Floyd's gym lately. I was like, nah, he's like, I got a call to go down there the other day. And like Errol's just beating people up. He was like, "And this, this is right when Errol turns pro. So I went to the gym and I was like, Oh my God, he just beats people up. I don't know, man. It's a tough fight. It has to happen. There's no reason this fight can't happen now. None. Zero. Zero. PBC, pay Terrence Crawford for whatever he wants. It's a big fight. Just make it happen. It's undisputed. It has to happen. Quit fucking around.
1: It's the biggest fight in boxing. No, it's not. I'm not talking monetarily. Let me make that clear. Between the ropes, it's the biggest fight you can make in boxing.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. skill wise, yes,
1: fifty, yes, not monetarily. Like, I mean, technically, if you want to put Tank and Ryan Garcia in the ring, like you're probably making a lot of money.
2: No, if you put um, Joshua and Fury in the ring in in, in Wembley,
1: oh, you're you're printing, printing though. Um, I mean, you put I mean Canelo and Triple G is going to be pretty fucking big. But we'll talk about Triple G now. Like he just beat Murata and like handedly, he did hey. everything he could outside of making that fight in the U S so people can actually watch it. Like he, he did everything he needed to do to build hype for his fight with Canelo Alvarez.
2: Listen, I said this before people are like, oh, I have been terribly impressed with triple G Well, triple G wasn't fighting for nothing. He was just kind of fighting the Revchenko fight. He was just like, oh, I'm here. Then they were like, Hey, if you beat Murata, you get Canelo. He was like, really? And he went there. He was like, let me remind these motherfuckers who I am. Granted, Triple G is 40. He looks like, slower. He is slower. All, all those things are true. Still has a granite chin. Still hurts people with his punches. You can't take Triple G lightly. And he went out there. Murata, you know, he had a few good rounds early. But when I talk about that bludgeoning power, like Gabe Rosado, was, if, he, if you ever listen to him talk about when he fought Triple G, he's like, he beat the fuck out of me. It, it, like, I've never been hit like that before. A lot. Like Canelo, two close fights. We all think Canelo would beat him a third time, right? Because Canelo's
1: still, he's only 31. Yeah. He's gotten better. It'll be interesting to see Triple G at 168 and see, I think he gains power as he goes up, not loses it. I don't know. Triple G's a
2: small 68. He's a right size six. There was a point when I was with Triple G where him and uh, Abel Sanchez were talking about, they would think about going to 47 or 50 to fight Floyd. Because Triple G's small. He's, Canelo's big. (laughs) Like, Canelo's a a big boy. Always has been. He When he dwarfed Mirakon, when he dwarfed Miguel Cotto, when he fought at light heavyweight against Kovalev, it didn't look that much different. He's just shorter. Yep. So, The speed will be the difference. Canelo's upper body movement has always been a problem. But that fight I think that fight is still going to be super competitive. People think Canelo's just going to wash him. I don't see that. And I still think Canelo's the best fighter in the world. But I think Triple G, when I keep saying you need to have a guy that has I don't give a fuck in him and I'm just going to throw punches, like David Benavidez does, those are the best guys to deal with Canelo because if you try to outbox Canelo, you're going to lose. That's what Caleb Plant did. Got him fucked up. Off of
1: you. Yeah, like sooner or later, he's just gonna breathe the brakes off.
2: You have to put pressure on Canelo. You have to make him think about what he's doing. Otherwise, if you allow him to operate with no pressure, that's what Caleb Plant did. And he, he did well early. But if you allow him to just look at things and figure shit out, it's gonna beat you up. But if you're coming at him, now he's gotta fight you off of him. That's what Triple G did. That's why Canelo switched his strategy in the second fight. He didn't like that pressure. He had to put the pressure on Triple G because he was like, maybe Triple G can't fight as well off the back foot. Still a super close fight. This Canelo Triple G3, like Canelo said in a recent interview, I think with Kopp, that's for the fans. You're damn right, it's for the fans. But it's a dangerous fucking fight, regardless of what you say. It's dangerous. I can't wait, though. Dangerous. You still got to get past Bival. Bival's still a tough fight. is still a tough fight. But I think he's going to wash
1: him. Um, I, I think if I had to go all the way in on it, and I know we got like two weeks before, but I'm feeling like a decision. I mean, Baval is just so big.
2: Oh, yeah, it probably is going to be a decision. You're right.
1: Like, I just don't know how, but I mean, Canelo stopped Kovalev at that weight. But what was Kovalev? Right. You know, like, it's just, it's hard to think that his power transfers up that high. Like if, if his power is legit at that weight, he's Manny Pacquiao. Cause how, how far up in weight classes can you go and just still beat the hell out of people? Like that's yeah, that's so tough. I mean,
2: the thing about Canelo is it's not like the power is there, right? But it's, it's the punch placement, is what makes Canelo different. Like when he when he commits to the body, the way he sings punches into the body, like you go back to the Rocky Field and fight. Rocky Field ain't shit, but you watch how he throws those body punches it was devastating. The way he set up Kovalev for that finish was devastating. If Baval makes a mistake, Bavall is very technically sound, but if he makes a mistake, Canelo's going to capitalize on it. Mm. And you have to be very sound technically to not get hurt by Canelo. Daniel Jacobs fought a really good fight against Canelo. It didn't make too many mistakes. He just couldn't catch him.
3: Yep.
2: And Canelo just outboxed him. Caleb Plant made a mistake. Canelo made him pay for it. Like, Billy Joe Saunders made several mistakes. And Canelo was, just wanted to beat him up. <laughs> That's the other thing. When Canelo just <laughs> wants to beat you up, he's going to beat you up. Set him up with Bav- cuts. bivol has got a piston-like jab. Bavall being strong. There's a lot of things that Bavall does where Canelo will probably be careful with him and box him for five or six rounds and see what he's got. And then he'll make a decision. If, if Bavall's not doing anything to hurt him, then he'll step on the gas. Otherwise, he'll probably outbox him.
1: Sounds like the but- Callum Smith fight.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, he just beat up Callum. Callum Smith, Callum Smith had Last nothing for Canelo. He
1: was just throwing shots to the arms and being kind of safe, and then it reached, like, five, six rounds, and Canelo was like, oh, I can step on the gas.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's that's pretty much what it is. If Canelo sees that you're food, he's going to take you out. Yeah. If, you, if you're still fighting, he'll be careful. But with Callum Smith, he beat his arms, so the man couldn't punch anymore.
1: Yeah, and as soon as it that was, weapon was gone, he was like, oh, I'm on it. <laughs> like, I'm, I have nothing to fear.
2: Yeah, it, it, I mean, right now is, Canelo's looking at this situation. He's like, "All right, I get this belt. Joe Smith and better be ever fighting. I'm, I'm gonna, I, I'll go fight yeah. Triple G and weight, maybe. Yeah, I'll go fight Triple G and wait, and then I'll, you know, get this light heavyweight fight. Meanwhile, which we, I want to switch real quick. If they don't book this David Benavidez Charlo fight, somebody's fucking doing?
1: up. What are they doing? <laughs> if like you're lo- losing money, leaving money on the table, so much money. At this point, like they're fighting in the crowd. You got a great promo. You Got to strike while the iron's hot. Everyone else is fighting.
2: These two, come on, man, they hate and each other. Charlo
1: loses nothing. He <laughs> goes know? up and he loses. He comes back down. He's still the champion. He loses nothing.
2: You know what's funny about this fight, though? Like we're, we're all of a sudden we're all like, oh shit, Charlo Benavidez. Caleb plants like, hey man, what the fuck? <laughs> that was my fight.
1: <laughs> it's hey fun. man, you gotta, gotta be- this fight because ain't. We're keeping it funky. Like, I'm not sure Charlo's accepted. I don't know what the Charlos are doing. Like, little Charlo fights everyone. Big Charlo, I, I don't know. And little Charlo, if we keep him their buck, he lost like eight rounds to Florida. Not last fight. Yeah. Yeah, he got
2: mad at Cop about that. Boy, oh boy, was he pissed.
1: Oh, he was super mad at Cop. <laughs> yeah, I, damn. But listen, he got to keep it a buck. He got to watch that back and just be like, yo, you know what? It wasn't my best night. And he, he got to do what he did when he lost, to, um, lost the belt last time to Tony. You got to come back yeah. and make a statement.
2: Yeah, quit playing. Like, don't be mad at cop. Be mad at yourself. The fight should have never been that close to begin with.
1: Everybody saw it anyway. like you lost, sir. It's not just one guy. Everybody thought you lost. So now you got to run it back.
2: It's easy. It's, it's easy to pick on a cop, though, right? It's easy to it's pick on cop. the thing to do cop. this
1: year. <laughs> I don't know why. It's the thing to do this year. Uh outside of that, Ryan Garcia beats to go in a fight where Ryan Garcia drops in the second round and then to goes on a bicycle for 10 and Ryan, pretty Yo, much gets a good sparring session out of it. So I'm
2: watching this fight. Cause obviously, you know, the triple G fights early in the morning, Ryan Garcia, what was the other fight that night? UFC was that night, right? Yes. Yeah. UFC was that night. Uh, Volkanovsky beating the shit out korean zombie that's a whole nother yeah. thing but i'm watching this fight and i was like "Ah, i'm gonna watch this fight because t- one one of two things is gonna happen ryan Garcia is gonna catch me get him out of here in like three rounds or to go's gonna get hit and be like fuck this and i'm just gonna try to survive the latter definitely happened people were mad at ryan but there was nothing ryan could do about that Togo had no interest in fighting and i love i i hate it actually when guys come and act like they want to fight and then they go on their bicycle it's like what are you doing he, he kept going to Ryan, like, come on. I was like, Ryan's like, I'm coming. <laughs> like, you're the one running away from me. Ryan Garcia still is a very good, very scary fighter. And people talk shit about Ryan, but that speed is undeniable. That, that left hand, the way he throws that left hand, the, where it comes from, it's tough. He just needs to get it, you know, to go. Is just, he just wasn't that guy. Just not. Couldn't make Ryan look good.
1: But now for Ryan, it's like, what's next? I mean, he called out um, Isaac Cruz, who looked great on the undercard. That that, fight?
2: That fight excites me. Isaac Cruz showed all of us against Javante Davis that he could take a punch Mm -hmm. and he can fight. And he can hurt people. The first time we saw Isaac Cruz was the first time I really paid attention when he beat the shit out of Diego Magdaleno. He yes. just destroyed him. And I was like, man, he's the problem. But then when he fought Tank, I was like, ah, short notice. Tank's going to run him over. He took everything Tank had and still made the distance, right? Ryan Garcia has propensity to get hit. And he, and he got knocked down by Luke Campbell, who's not a big puncher. Yep. Isaac Cruz is a bigger puncher than Luke Campbell. Not a better boxer, but a big puncher. Which means if Ryan overcommits like he does a lot and makes a mistake, Cruz can and drop him. That, that's the fight. That, there's no reason. To, I mean, I know why that fight will not get made. But that's the fight you need to make. It'll make Ryan look good. It sets you up for a Javante Fivevest, That's the fight you really want. And it's yep. dangerous. You can't keep playing. Fight dangerous opponents.
1: Even though Javante at that point would be mandatory for the belts. Yeah. If if they are not vacated.
2: Uh, the other thing that happened while I was gone is they, you know, they formally announced Devin Haney and George Cambosis on June 5th.
1: Yeah. This... I mean, wow. You weren't around for that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, Cambosis' story is a good story. I stick to my guns. I scored him versus Teofimo a draw. Um. But I mean, in no way Teofimo won that fight. Don't get me twisted. Like, either it was a draw or Cambosis won. So I'm not upset that Cambosis won. I think it was the perfect storm for Cambosis to upset Teofimo Lopez. I, I don't think he has that perfect storm against Devin Hayden.
2: He doesn't. This, dude, this will be the true coming out party for Devin Hayden in, ter- in, in the sense that. He's been getting disrespected for like the better part of like two years by the public, by his peers. He's just getting disrespected. You're not the real WBC champion. All the other 25 and under guys are better than you. You're not in, you, you know, you're not in line to get a title fight, blah blah blah. He beats JoJo Diaz sounding. Look really good doing it. Yeah. Linares, huh? Who cares? But now you get to a chance. He could be undisputed unquestionably undisputed if he beats George Campos. And the reality is nobody's really wanted to, nobody's like running to fight Devin Haney. And I give George Campos a ton of credit for accepting that fight. Nobody wants to fight Devin. And if Devin goes out there and has that kind of a performance, that's, I don't want to say it's like, I mean, it's kind of like how Floyd Mayweather kind of broke out. Because people are like, yeah, when he fought Diego Krause, like if Devin Haney were to put that performance together against George Cambosis and become the undisputed lightweight champion, everybody's gotta shut the fuck up. Yeah. everybody. He's the best under 25 fighter in boxing, period. If he beats up George Cambosis, which I think he'll do. They I'm so fascinated by this fight because I, mean, I think
1: Cambosis got dropped by Teofimo in the 10th. And that's a Teofimo with one lung damn near. Um yeah. I mean,
2: Devin's not as big of a puncher as Tiafimo. But when we talk about a technically sound fighter, he's got some defensive things that could be adjusting. But I don't think George hits it hard enough to expose him. But if he does that and just kind of puts on a clinic, if he were to find a way to stop him, everybody's got to shut the fuck up. Because now everybody's got to come fight him. Ryan Garcia, you got to come fight him. Tank, you want him? You got to come fight him. All of you have to come fight him. If he beat, like, obviously, Shakur fights Oscar Valdez. If Shakur Stevenson wins, now he's the best guy under 25. But if Devin wins and becomes undisputed, he's the number one guy under 25. And the
1: question he's is, the one person. And this is what makes it tricky, right? Because I'm with you. He does that. There's an immediate rematch clause for Cambosis, Unless, unless... Devin Haney vacates the belts. He has an option to vacate and move up. And at this point, he has a three-fight deal with Top Rank. Do you ask Bob Arum, like, I'm down to go to the UK. I just fought in the stadium. Let's, Let's do Wembley. Let's do something and give me Taylor and see if you could talk Taylor into staying at 140 for one more fight. Do you go for a double undisputed right away?
2: I mean, it's it's possible. It's Taylor, possible. Taylor yeah. ain't got
1: shit else now, by the way. No,
2: no, and he's and being not beatable with
1: him at one forty-seven. Nothing.
2: It, it, yeah, he's very beatable. Um, I don't know, man. I think yeah, it, it's it's dependent on you know the timing, the the opponent, because the world the world is now Devin's oyster if he wins that fight. Yeah, like he couldn't get anybody to fight him before; they just didn't want to fight him. Now you have no choice. If you want to be the best, you have to fight Devin Haney. And he's a true and
1: free agent. Taking his deal, yeah. top rank proved that. He is a true free agent. He, he can do this, do the if he wants to stay at 135, do this, do the rematch, do a mandatory in a third fight, and be out by December. Yo. Of this top rank deal. And he's like, okay, um, Javante, what do you want to do? Um, he's see Javante. Do you want to come to the zone? Like Javante will be a free agent after this next fight. So, I mean, and that's something else you missed. That was ugly. Him and him and Mayweather. Yeah. Again, ugly. This getting Mayweather, Bob levels. ugly.
2: Yeah. Javante better quit playing. <laughs> um,
1: he ain't going back at this point. <sighs> it's a he ain't going back. Either he's going to BBC and he's dealing with Heyman directly. Or my man's looking for a new home. Like, yeah, it, his own it, new it, home. Like, it'll, that might break the bank.
2: It'll be interesting because they've done a lot to position him the way that they are. Like, they've, they've done a lot to put Tank in different regions, different settings, to make him a star. Devin is, uh, what I love about this Devin Hayes situation is everybody inside saw this coming in terms of, yeah, he's, he's probably the best fighter of all these guys in terms of, like, complete package. He's that guy. And he's like, he's young. <laughs> like people, he's really young, right? He'll be on the 25 on the 25 list next year. That's how young he is. But the thing is, is like, he got paid a lot of money by matchroom. He just took fights. People just kept disrespecting him. And now it's like, the thing about Devin that separates him from Tank, from Ryan, from Tiofimo, there are no outside of the ring issues. None. His pops, Bill, who I'm very cool with. I, me and Bill are really cool. He keeps them in line. Devin could be doing all kinds of dumb shit. He's got all the money. The only thing you ever see on Instagram is him buying like diamonds in his
1: teeth and shit like that. <laughs> That's it. Occasional like, but never, you you never find rapper. You never find understand. him in trouble. No, no, no. Yeah. You never find that man in trouble. Tia Fimo's
2: had outside the ring issues, him and his pops. Yeah. Ryan's had the, the mental health shit, and then he had the baby mama shit and all that shit going on. Tank is always in some shit.
1: Always. Right? I think he's in cage pendant. I'm like hitting
2: him. Yeah. But but Devin, no issues. No issues. And I loved when he did the, the press conference with Cambosis. I've seen it with Devin. I've been with Devin a lot. When Devin gets pissed off and he wants to talk his shit, he's going to talk his shit. He talked his shit to George Cambosis. I was like, there he is. There he is. That man, he, he could be huge for – he could be huge in boxing – Because he could take on a villain role, because it's the only way black people become stars, unfortunately, is by becoming somebody that people want to pay to see you lose. And nobody wanted to fight Floyd at one point in time. Floyd changed that shit. I'm not saying Devin's going to be like Floyd, because Devin's really good, and I don't think Devin is like, he doesn't have all that controversy surrounding him. But I think Devin, I think Devin's going to be that guy, but he has to be George, but I think he's going to be that guy. And then he'll, if he fights Ryan Garcia and beats Ryan Garcia again, if he were to beat tank, Devin Haney and Shakur Stevenson are like the future of boxing right now. Those two guys are scary if they stay on the right track. And Shakur has got some dicey shit in his past and his present as well. They're fascinating guys.
1: No, nah, I mean, there's so many possibilities, man. So, <laughs> so many and I love that that's, you know, all open and so many things to come. Real quick before we hit this break, what do you think about this Mayweather exhibition? Because it and, did take some of the shine from, uh, I can't even, people didn't take it that serious, but to have the press conference no. on the same day that you have Gervonta's press conference is kind of ridiculous. It is. Floyd being Floyd. And uh, Silver's on a co-main. It's going to get some eyes on the 14. Don't laugh. This is the Jake Paul Showcase.
2: Brandy's it's design. dude. I know what this is. I know. Look, look. If Floyd, y'all keep saying why is Floyd fight these guys? Because he gets to rob the bank. If you keep letting somebody rob the bank and don't stop him from robbing the bank, hey man, stop robbing the bank. Let's get better security. Let's get a better system. Let's like change banks so you can't keep robbing the same bank. You keep letting Floyd rob the bank. You think he's gonna say no?
1: Hey, fight this guy that nobody's heard of who hasn't had to fight this what 2018. Yep, he was a sparring partner. Like, he just trained in the gym. Yeah, they do this for free.
2: And he's like, how interested y'all in making this fight happen? Oh, we'll give you $7 million. He's like, for real? All right, I get to rob the bank again. When he fought Logan Paul, he's like, oh, Floyd ain't got it no more. What are you talking about? Floyd knows what he's doing. Floyd doesn't have it anymore. He doesn't want to fight pro fights. What if he can rob the bank without getting hurt? He's going to continue to do that. So, uh, yeah, I ain't mad at him. Y'all can talk about Floyd all you want. I am not mad at this man making money. Y'all are dumb for paying for this shit.
1: I don't know who's paying for it. I think they're just paying on the back end.
2: Somebody's paying, paying for this, for this pay for me? shit. Somebody dumb is paying for this shit. It's going to happen. Because Floyd brings interest. He finds a way to make people interested in this dumb shit. And he's going to do it again. More I mean, power to watch
1: him. it. but that's neither here nor there hopefully i don't gotta pay for it if it is i gotta expense it but yeah i mean i'll be watching i'll probably get good social hits but outside of that i think that's like the only thing it's worth now is social buzz but he gets money on the front end so fuck it it keeps him relevant and if he finds another youtuber down the line or something the young kids will know him and that's what's key like 15 year olds know floyd mayweather Because he fought Logan Paul, like, it's pretty damn good. It keeps you relevant for, what, another 20 years at least? Yep. So, I mean, the man. Smart man. man. Very smart. Uh, Let's hit our break, come back, talk about another smart man. This guy's a rapper. Kendrick Lamar released a teaser for the album, our release date. We'll get your thoughts on that. Will it be another classic? Dre, will you go on record and call it a classic before you even hear it? No, we're not, we're no. not doing that.
2: <laughs> um, I don't do that.
1: No, we got to just talk about the anticipation on the album, him as an artist, and just wrap up with some hip hop talk. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. Right, time to wrap up the show. Dre added this last little section just for you. Kendrick Lamar is dropping his last album on TDE in May, I believe, what, May 13th?
2: Uh, I believe the that's the date, yeah. On
1: this, yep, May 13th. Did announcement similar to the Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan coming back. Announcement that you pointed out. You posted both of those on your Twitter. It's one of those things where Is the anticipation for this album even a little too great already?
2: No. Um, It's an event album. Drake has event albums. Kendrick has event albums. Cole has event albums. When you are essentially silent for almost half a decade, I mean, just out of the blue announced you're coming back. Because people kept asking, where's Kendrick? Where's Kendrick? Where's Kendrick? Where's Kendrick? During the pandemic, where's Kendrick? Where's Kendrick?
1: That's a bit. When was the last time? When was his last album?
2: Damn. And that was 2018, I believe. Wow. Yeah. he's And he, he hasn't done much of anything. You know? He, he popped up on a song here and there. I mean, he has, like, the Black Panther soundtrack. Look how long ago that was. Hmm. When you're that quiet and people keep asking where you are, and then you surface, yeah. The anticipation is going to be high. And he doesn't surface with a single. You have no idea where he's at in terms of his mental space, what he's doing creatively. You have no idea. None. And he just announces that he's coming back with, coming out with this album. Yeah, the anticipation is through the roof. I think I mentioned it before. The last time I saw Kendrick was right before the pandemic. And I didn't even see him in person. I just happened to be at the studio. I, I was at the TD studio. With with uh, Absol, Q, like we were all at the studio. We were talking about, funnily enough, I could talk about it now. I was working on something to get Q or one of them to walk Ryan Garcia out. That was that was what I was working on. I was trying to figure it out. And we went to the studio, we hung out, they were recording a bunch of music. The next day, me and Top Dog went to Roscoe's. It was weird. Me and Top Dog go to Roscoe's and I'm like, all right, he's like, me, me and Roscoe's we'll go over to Roscoe's. And I'm like, man, I'm gonna be with Top Dog, and everybody's gonna be swarming. Nobody says shit to Top Dog. Nobody. He and we just sat there, we ate, we took our time, we went to the car, he played me some music. He FaceTime Kendrick. Kendrick's at the studio with his baby. And Top is like, you know, I was like, oh, what's up? I ain't seen Kendrick in a while. I was like, what's going on? The album? And Top is always very secretive about Kendrick stuff with me. He, he won't really talk about it. And he goes, ah, the album's kind of done. Right? He's like, he's just kind of fine-tuned some stuff. And this is February 2020. Wow. And, and then the pandemic happens. whole album, whatever was done, I don't know if it's coming out on this album or what. Done. He went back to the lab, scrapped it, or put it on the shelf. Whatever he did, it was done. Didn't happen. I have no idea where Kendrick's at. Not a clue. I kind of knew after Good Kid Mad City when I was with Kendrick and did the documentary what to pimple Butterfly was going to be at, at some point. And i read it like a lot of articles. Talking to Kendrick, I kind of started to figure this shit out. When the when pimple Butterfly came out and I did the oral history of that for the Grammys and I went and spent time with Kendrick, I didn't really know what Dan was going to be. Right? It's like, well, how do you top this? Didn't know. But he found a way to make an album that was different from to Pimp Butterfly. Then he disappears. And now he's got his last album on TV. I don't, I have no idea. I don't have a clue. I don't, I don't know. And I think that's what's got people more excited more than anything else. Drake, when he makes announcements, kind of, he's like lingering around. And you're like, all right, we kind of know what to expect out of Drake because this is the music that Drake's making. Cole kind of does, does the same thing. Kendrick just disappears. So I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't do the whole, it's going to be a classic. I have no fucking idea. It could be terrible. I don't know. I don't have a clue. He remi- at this point of Kendrick's career, he reminds me of Outkast. Outkast would announce an album and you'd be like, I don't know, it, what the fuck is going on? Like when AT Aliens came out, the seed was planted on deep and crumbling herb on the Southern Playa album, but nobody knew that AT Aliens was going to be that. Aquaman nobody had a fucking clue what that was going to be. It ends up being one of the greatest albums of all time. Stankonia? Nah, we had no idea that we're going to go that route.
1: No, no one knew there were going to be commercial success outcasts on Stankonia like they did.
2: Nah, nobody. So Fresh So Clean, Call Before I Come. Like, you go
1: through the list of those songs on that album. You knew, where, like Parks on Steroids on that album. Yeah, like, Drake yeah, was a possible single.
2: You were watching an evolution of two artists. You're doing the same thing with Kendrick. Drake doesn't evolve. He just makes the same shit. <laughs> like, that's it. He doesn't evolve. He's
1: very good at that, though. He,
2: he's very good at that one thing, right?
1: It's like it's much like he, Jay-Z. Yeah, it,
2: yeah. But like, even Jay-Z got super personal with a 444 out. Drake hasn't like he'll okay. talk about his kid. Like Jay-Z will, you know, Drake makes the same fucking music every time. J. Cole, he, he grows, he matures, he gets older. You could hear it in his music. Kendrick evolves like Andre does. Not as weird, but he like,
1: <laughs> he, it's, it's just, it's like different. Andre, big boy mesh.
2: Yeah, yeah, because he still wraps his face off. I I, thought, I just don't, like, the, the one thing we don't know is like, we know Kendrick can rap, but what kind of songs is he going to make? What are they going to sound like? Yeah. I don't know. I'm excited though. I'm excited. I have to ask you this question. The beginning of the year, Cordae dropped an album. Yep. And you said, this is already one of the first album of the year. It has already fallen off of my top three list.
1: Oh, it's still high on my top three list.
2: But it's not my favorite album this year.
1: Okay, what's your, what's your other others?
2: Saba. Few Good Things. Fucking phenomenal. Okay. Saba, Few Good Things. I'm very partial to Buddy's album. I love Buddy's album.
1: Haven't heard Buddy's album. I'll take a listen.
2: Um, Vince Staples just recently dropped some. I, I, I've always been a fan of Vince Staples, and
1: I'm actually gonna put Staple raps his ass off. Uh, Shout out to his LA Leaker's freestyle as well. Um, body that shit. Um, Yo. but the album I still put Corday's over that. Uh, but it's up. To, uh, yeah, it's up I mean, there up there.
2: Corday's is up there. You had Benny dropped an album. You had Conway dropped an album even though Conway's album it gets stronger like at the back end of the album.
1: Yeah, yeah, which is an odd way to s- sequence something.
2: Yeah, pushes. Pushes album drops when this podcast comes out. I've already heard Pushes album. It's pretty fucking good. <laughs> like, but it's it's. I said this when Pushes dropped Daytona. You kind of know what you're getting with Push. It's just really good. <laughs>
1: it's just really good at it. Yeah, like, I, don't, I don't need him to go out the box.
2: Nah, it's like Pushes just does what Pushes does. And like, if you want a drug reference, you got it. Like, nobody talks about drugs better than Pusha T.
1: That Cordae right. album may not end up being album of the year, but it'll be Grammy nominated. I think it's mm. that good. I think it 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 goes in the top five of, yo, know, this is actually pretty different. Um, one of the songs that wasn't even my favorite on that shit, ended up being my favorite, is the one with him and her. Oh, man, so that's a good song. Ended that shit, like, and it became a single, and I was like, oh, this song is fucking phenomenal. Um but today is a great song. Like, there's not a bad song on the album. It has a theme. um, His boy being locked up, doing the intro, and then getting the story. Like, it being from a bird's eye view is really dope. Telling, like, his boy living life vicariously through him. It's it's really cool. I think it's a, a really good album. There's not a bad song on it. Now, granted, there's other good albums. The Saba album, I got to listen to it more.
2: Um, oh, Saba.
1: First one through, great, right? Like, it's, I can be like, okay. Cool. I, I understand. I think there's might have been two albums ago. I feel like it was 2018. We did like our year-end list or something. You told me about Saba and I was like, what? So I've been like keeping an ear out, you know? So anytime it drops, like, oh yeah, I can't like sleep on this. And was like, Saba, great album. Um, yeah, Cordae's still in my top three, but again, there's a lot of shit coming out. So yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. It is April... <laughs> that's like when we started talking about Cordae's album I was like yeah but there's so much stuff that's like, fair you, but last year we heard um, we heard Tyler's in like June I was like ah it's gonna be hard to beat well, <laughs> like, see but that was, that was when I first heard Tyler's album what I
2: said I was like there's nothing that sounds like this right now there's nothing that sounds like this like Tyler just went a completely different route with that album Cordae's album is really good do not get me wrong I think it'll be up there but When you have like a creative like Kendrick getting ready to come out, you knew that Benny was coming out. You knew that like Q just dropped a single.
1: And the Benny album's cool, but it's not like even as good as the last Benny album. So maybe I'm not rating it correctly because I'm still not really rating on his last album.
2: There's there's two versions of Benny that I think people have gotten used to. There's Benny with Hit Boy, which is what, what a lot of us jumped into. Yes. And there's Benny with Griselda. And and Benny, when he's doing stuff with Derringer in the time to talk albums, it's a very gritty, grungy, like I could smell the piss in the alleys album. And you don't want that all the time, right? Because Benny can still rap. But like his joint with J. Cole was phenomenal, right? Oh,
1: incredible. Yeah, yeah.
2: But in order to in order to take that leap, it's how creative can you be? Porto's album is great. Tyler's album was just a leap creatively that was almost untouchable. And you kind of expect oh. that out of Kendrick.
1: Yeah. He but, and I feel level like. level of creativity, though. Like, you sent me the link to the fucking Gambino or uh, Donald Glover article where he, like, interviews himself. Yeah. And in that article, he's like, yo, I've just been rapping more. I feel like that's where Tyler was. Yep. And I was like, yo, I did a lot of melodic shit and was cool and all this stuff. I just kind of felt like rapping, and, but didn't tell anybody. So when we heard it, we were just like, oh, wait, he's rapping his fucking ass off on this. Hold on. And then, like, I feel like if Gambino was to drop another album and it was like a rap album, we'd be like, oh, wait, like, oh, you're hitting us with this again? Like, we haven't heard this shit since This Is America? Like, with like some real bars from you? Right. So it's, it's one of those where Tyler's, it was so different because he had done so different the past two and a half projects. You know, so it, it definitely does hit different. And to be fair, Corday's in the beginning of his evolution. So maybe he doesn't he need album of the year at <laughs> 22 years old, but it's, it's really good. I think it'll end in my top five. Um, we'll see. Again, it's just very hard to compete. At that level, when other people were dropping, right? Like, it's like the MVP race in the NBA this year. John ja Morant was great, but does John ja need MVP? You know, injuries aside, this year, like he's he's not at the evolution stage of an Embiid, of a Jokic, of a of a Greek freak. He's just not there in his evolution yet.
2: I'm so glad you brought up Joel
1: Embiid. <laughs> Let's not start this. Yo, he hit that shot yesterday. I was asleep. I woke up to the fucking group chat going crazy. You popping shit, Marcus popping shit between the Celtics <laughs> winning and the Embiid shot. I woke up. I was like, yo, what's happening? I thought there was some controversy in wrestling. No, nope, just all you guys talking shit.
2: Dude, I told you. Uh, you, you, you were, uh, when I did, and will never forget for the people that listen, and we're doing, I did my NBA fantasy draft because the season has started yet yeah, because of COVID. And yeah,
1: it's two years ago, right?
2: Yeah, and I, and, I, and I drafted Joel Embiid, and you were like, why would you draft him so early? And I'm like, yo, he's a generational talent. And it became a discussion about who, is, who would you take right now, Joel Embiid or Russell Westbrook? And he was like, Russ, easy. And I was like, you're nuts.
1: Yeah, man, was coming off of another, his third straight triple-double season. and Embiid was coming off of his first real, real healthy season.
2: Yeah, but I but I told you I was like Russell Westbrook yeah. is one of the most ineffective players I've ever seen in my life. He's yeah, inefficient. An
1: argument for availability, which MB, besides loan management, <laughs> has been very available since then. Um that, that hot take has aged poorly. I'm not yeah. gonna lie to you. Yeah, yeah, and, it's and not I a mean handshake deal. No yet. But it's 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 aged poorly. <laughs>
2: Embiid is a generational talent. That that motherfucker is for real. For I real. I was
1: shocked. No center has put up thirty plus points in the season <laughs> no. since nineteen eighty two. I'm going like wait. Zo played. Um, the Admiral Mm-mm. played. Mm-mm. Like, and the Admiral is a center, not a power forward. Like David Robinson, he was putting up sixty in some games. Mm-hmm. But not consistently 30 per game, like Shaq? Nope. The Diesel. No man, so, it's, there's just there's so many, you know, old old legs Pat when he was mm-mm. young. Legs Pat never put up Elijah. On,
2: I mean, the, dude, oh what, my god, what, Elijah
1: never put up thirty. Like that's just ridiculous to me. What like fat. what
2: makes what makes Joel Embiid different is that he is a mixture of like the Elijah footwork, but he's got range. He could shoot, so he doesn't have to put his body on the line every time in the in the
1: box. He can stretch it out. Yeah, and there's not, like, other big guys to bang, like, like against and wear you down every night like they used to.
2: No, he, and he can pass. Like he's, he's a threat. It's like you thought when he got James Harden, which I still think is not the greatest deal. Harden's not great.
1: Oh, <laughs> like he's not even not liking that, but it's better than a non playing Ben Simmons. Right. So
2: no, I mean, you had to do something. I still think the draft picks are going to hurt the Sixers at the end of the day, giving up with the draft picks I, I felt like it was the problem. Yeah. Like if you did them straight up, I'd be like, all right, cool. Cause Ben wasn't going to play. If yep. you give up a lot of draft picks out James Harden's on the back end. He don't play no defense. Right. But it, it, nothing hurt Joel Embiid. Nothing. Because Tyrese Max, he's come out. And he was like, yo, I can fucking play. Like, and he's, he's playing out of his mind. But Embiid is just, he's just everything for that team. I know they're probably going to give it to the Joker again. They probably give him another MVP because Joachim just does, does everything.
1: But I think this guy, Embiid, Embiid is. NBA, yeah. Like between the fatigue of giving I, I, someone back I, to back and Embiid's year, like, I think Embiid's taken.
2: I, I would like to see it, but I think they're going to give it to Joker. The only other person who could win MVP is Devin Booker, who's out of his fucking mind. Oh, that no, kid is nuts. A, yeah,
1: one to two weeks. Yo, anyway, the Suns are fucking just snake yeah. bit. Chris they Will, are in his career. There you go. Has the worst luck ever. Yep. Ever.
2: Every every goddamn time. So we'll see. But anyway, going back, <laughs> didn't mean to veer off too much in the NBA. So my album of the year right now is Sabas. A few good things. I think. Cordae's will probably hang around that conversation, but we've got a lot of year left. We got a lot of people that you know. I think Future's getting ready to drop some shit. I'm not a Future fan, but I can guarantee you people are going to go crazy for this either,
1: shit. but Elliot Wilson did a fucking cover this week, which is good to see him back writing. Um, yeah, he's
2: been he's been right, but yeah, the GQ cover is no like is magazine writing,
1: guy. right? Like he was yeah. like writing right, but like to see him back like on the cover of magazine is pretty dope it's just nostalgic for like about people so um i was so used to now him being a podcaster it's so weird right like shit changes so much like joe bun is a podcaster to me now like elio wilson is a podcaster to me this motherfucker has a hall of fame legacy as a writer um but yeah just seeing him with the cover again but yeah calling future like the greatest rapper alive is just a little
2: crazy. It's funny because like, pe- people looked at that and then people were like yeah, I can't believe Elliot did it. He didn't do it. GQ did it. The editors did it. I guarantee oh, yeah. you that Elliot no, the Elliot article, didn't come in there. Was like yeah,
1: the, yeah. The article is not reflective of that. But I mean, he puts his catalog and his influence really out oh, there. In the, the influence is undeniable. So, yeah, like he's he's influenced this entire generation of mainstream rap. Is him. Yep. So I understand where it comes from, like, greatest rapper alive. If you count what's popular now and the style that is popular now, he is the greatest of that style. They all beat yeah. off of him. So if you call him the greatest rapper alive now, in comparison to all of them, I get it. Yeah. But, but it, it's still, like, some nuance that a that headline does not capture.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I can see yeah. where it comes from. I
1: can see. I can see. Like, if you consider... That is the genre carrying rap. He's the greatest of that genre. Fine, right? Like, if, if deep lyrics aren't carrying rap, then maybe people don't consider Kendrick or Cole the greatest rapper alive right now.
2: Yeah. Fair. So, so I, th- I think ultimately, with Kendrick announcement. Be, it's going to be a good year for hip hop. Q's new single is pretty dope. Um, it seems like Ab Absol's back in the studio when we talk about like TDE stuff.
1: Damn, uh, it's been forever for half.
2: It has. Uh, Wale's getting ready to re- release more about nothing, which I'm really excited about because I love that mixtape. Um, really? It's a good year. Yeah, he just announced it yesterday. He's re-released. He's putting on streaming services finally. Um,
1: but, oh, and then uh, I, uh, TDE, their biggest project is an R&B project.
2: Yeah. Everybody's
1: talking about SZA. Everyone's talking about SZA. That shit can't fall flat. We can think of whatever we want about the Kendrick project the scissor rollout and like anticipation is the complete opposite of Kendra. It's so weird. Like single I'm is everywhere. So, and I hate that single. <laughs> I hate you. Sh- like, yo, it's gotten to the point where it's dumb annoying, but that's how I know it's good. But it's just one of those things where if it flops, if that album flops, or it's just not good. Fuck the sales. If it's not good. Oh boy. That it's, that's going to hurt.
2: Yeah. Cause he kind of came out of nowhere. Like, I met SZA. I didn't think SZA was going to have this kind of impact. I, I heard the music. I, I've liked SZA's music with Z and, and the EPs that came up before it, and then she signed to TDE. But nobody saw that album doing the damage that it did. Like, that album did damage. Yeah. And people just swore by it. She, yeah, she can't slip. No. She can't.
1: So that TDE has the album with probably the least pressure of the summer and the album with the most <laughs> pressure of the summer coming out all at once.
2: So uh, that's
1: it, it's, it's wild man i can't wait to see um and we'll yeah, talk more hip-hop and r&b and stuff as the summer goes on we're outside this is like the first summer we outside so we get to see yeah. how music really hits so it, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun um we appreciate everyone for listening this has been great it's great to have the old man back and we didn't hear the baby at all during this podcast so
2: that you know he's crying right now right? I think this is the third lying, time
1: you're lying on I mad max I, I, very, I i'm very upset at this you're lying on mad max's name already
2: uh like if i open the door right now
1: <laughs> this kid right. is silent he's an angel oh, to the podcast no, so no. Uh, we, like i said we appreciate all of you for listening follow us on social media at corner podcast underscore on twitter at corner club for life on instagram check us out on youtube this show won't be on there because i'm in london But every other show, you can watch our amazing faces on YouTube. A great way to experience the podcast in a different form. Check us out there. Thank you to producer Cole Bebe holding it down with me this past month. It has been amazing. Everyone's loved him on the show. And, of course, he'll be on when we're in studio. So uh, he's never too far away. We appreciate him. Everyone at Blue Wire Studios back in Vegas, back at the Wynn Resort in Las Vegas. Um, until next time, though, man, I'm going to enjoy London. He's going to enjoy fatherhood. We're out.
2: Peace.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality.